Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I'd like to welcome everyone in the audience today and thank you for taking time to be with us as we help public, private, and nonprofit organizations tackle important broadband issues and issues getting this technology everywhere that it needs to be in America. Um, we're in Montgomery today. Uh, for those of you who've been following the show this week, I've been in Dallas and uh, broadcasting from the Fiber to the Home Council, and that was a very good experience, had some really good interviews. Um, it was a lot of focus on uh, economic development. Obviously, being in the show, there was a lot of focus on um, you know the architect or the uh, the infrastructure and selling the actual gear that make these networks work. But in the end, uh, once you build a network, there is the work that goes into maximizing the network. And you have local project teams, you have regional project teams, and you even have the state-level uh, project teams trying to keep various aspects of the, um, uh, these various broadband projects within the state together. So I thought it would be really good to, um, to look at this in some detail, look at how it gets done, how do you manage all these, these moving parts and so forth, somehow maintain your sanity, and at the end, you know, make sure that everybody down line, as it were, are providing good, uh, good broadband to their ultimate uh, customers, their subscribers. Um, joining us today is Jessica Dent, who is the Executive Director of Connecting Alabama, uh, and this is uh, a statewide initiative. Uh, in fact, she uh, one of her responsibilities is leading the Alabama Broadband Initiative. Uh, Jessica also uh, serves as the Alabama Department of Economic and Community Affairs Liaison for the Alabama Communities of Excellence Program. And that must be one heck of a business card that you carry. <laughs> <laughs> but Jessica, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you well, for being a guest. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about a little bit more about a little bit. Let's start with talking about Alabama's uh, broadband initiative. What what does that all encompass? Well, broadband in Alabama actually began under our former Governor Riley, who began the initiative uh, just wanting to map the atmosphere, wanting to know what the infrastructure of Alabama looked like. Uh, and then we were fortunate enough that uh, the, the stimulus funds, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, came out and uh, we had already produced one map that was at the street level and demonstrated what the Alabama Internet Service Providers had uh, for an infrastructure. So the, the funding from the federal government allowed us to expand that mapping effort uh, and help to create a, a better presence with the providers in Alabama. Uh -huh. In Alabama, we have a little over 100 providers and about 80% do participate with us. It's a voluntary program, and they... Uh, uh, had to sign we had to sign non disclosure agreements that we would not uh, give out proprietary type data, but we we definitely needed to know the the landscape mm -hmm. and then in addition to the uh mapping effort uh connecting Alabama has developed a planning effort. my background being in uh, economic and community development and having that planning perspective. I knew it, it best to start at the community level. We mm -hmm. must know what the community wants and needs before we can try to fulfill their needs. So we've developed 12 regional plans uh, at, the, at the, the community level, and they vary in um, different types of projects that they may produce. Uh, we have some projects that are looking at making sure adequate um, connectivity for our county jails so that we can incorporate telehealth and um, improved education and workforce development. So essentially, Connecting Alabama and Alabama Broadband Initiative is mapping and planning so that we can then provide the necessary information to the leaders of our state so that they can make the best decisions for our communities and for the state of Alabama as a whole as it relates to telecommunications, because we know technology is not going anywhere. You think? I don't think it's going anywhere. <laughs> well, you know, I guess in, in some respects I was uh, preaching to the choir earlier this morning 
when I uh, gave my uh, session on broadband and economic development. Uh, I'm here for the Booker T. Washington uh, Economic Development Summit, which is in its 17th year, and I led a session on on broadband and um, you know how do we take advantage of it as an economic development tool. And the thing that you mentioned in your description was the needs, you know, understanding the needs. So my question is, at a state level, even if it were at a regional level, how do you go about finding out the needs? Because, you know, a lot of people have different needs. So to me, this seems like an extremely uh, intense data-gathering exercise. And then you've got to coordinate it in some way and, and the information so that, if your role from the state perspective is to provide assistance, you know, the, the the community that is looking at this as a way to attract new businesses might be very different in terms of what they need versus a community that's looking at it as a telehealth network. So how do you how do you gather it and, and sort it all out? Well, uh, that, was, that was interesting. We actually began with a consumer survey in mm-hmm. 2009. Uh, we contracted with, with some of the ARA funds. We contracted with CostQuest Associates, uh, who, who's a member of the Link America Alliance, a wonderful group, uh, great team that that really helped us establish the vision. Mm-hmm. Under Governor Raleigh, we, we have an advisory board, and that advisory board met with our CostQuest Quest Associates and helped us develop a vision. And the vision was that we wanted to make sure that all Alabamians had access to the infrastructure necessary to lead us, not just in the 21st, 22nd, and beyond uh, centuries. And, well, you know, the data collection, it just began from there. Consumer surveys uh, via the, the, the ConnectingAlabama.gov website uh, you can go in and you can map your connectivity. You can tell us where it's important, uh, what aspects of um, broadband is important to you, and really just listening to that community. Like I said, we, we went into the mode of planning. Once the, the board had developed a vision for us, we actually went out into the communities and we held focus groups and we held forums for residents, uh, we we did not appeal to just internet service providers. We asked them to come. We asked the community to come. We re- reached out to faith-based uh, and community initiatives, asking them to participate. And the response was really quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some some movers and shakers in the communities that said yes, this is needed. Uh, and one of those uh, very very important aspects is the fact that we needed to bring our leaders, our elected officials, to the table. We needed to educate them as well. They'll be the ones making the decisions, and they listen to their community. Mm-hmm. So it was only natural to start with the communities, and we listened to them. We gathered the data and. What's unique is if you look at those 12 regional plans, we have 37 unique projects Uh across the state. Um, We have infrastructure committees, and these are private citizens that are partnering with local officials as well as Internet service providers and identifying those areas that do not have connectivity and working together to see what can we do to fill that void. Uh Now, one of the things you mentioned um, was uh, faith-based organizations, and uh, actually, again, another one of those things I, I mentioned earlier, but how powerful of a force, well, we know how powerful a force it is, but how powerful of a force <laughs> is this in terms of, of mobilizing a community for something like broadband? Because this might not be the first thing that someone would think about would be going to church, as it were. Well, that's true, but you know, one of the key elements in, in uh, not just Christianity, but any any religion, is communication, right? Spreading mm-hmm. the word. There you go. And there what you better go. way to spread the word <laughs> than, than with technology these Most days? Most assuredly, I'm sure they could see how to wrap that into their uh, their their efforts with their respective flocks. Right. I mean, we're we're able to put out so much information, and not only that, but our faith based communities, because you are in the Bible Belt now. But our faith based <laughs> communities have uh, 
the wisdom uh, our communities believe in our faith-based communities uh-huh. they are our leaders when we when we don't know where else to turn uh, especially in this area we turn to our faith-based communities they reach they reach those those elements in our communities that often uh many of us don't come into contact with uh-huh. so uh, the the wide path that that the community can reach is just invaluable uh-huh. So how now you you go out and gather all this data you're basically collecting needs for all these various folks how do you then turn that into um you know actionable items is it that you use a database or no, we listen to the people, and then that's we use the databases and the research that we've gathered to put people in action. And again, I always say it: what I bring from Montgomery and from the state means nothing if our communities don't embrace it. And so, by listening to those communities during the community forums, by being able to back up uh, some of their suggestions with data, with with those statistics that we've been able to develop have really made strong projects. We anticipate being able to go after grant funds because these plans are not just plans that will sit on a shelf. These are plans that are written so that a community can cut and paste the data and the statistics and the needs and the observations from these plans into their grant applications. Because uh, we also know the grant world's not easy to navigate. Either. Right, right, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. So. Um, so it's a lot of creating partnerships, and so you in essence are a facilitator. I mean, you're right. you're facilitating the, the the traffic and so forth. Now, what does that look like on the you know on the on the back end after about a year or so of doing this kind of thing? Well, uh, I've always told my staff that we want to work ourselves out of a job. Okay. We want to make it to where the state of Alabama doesn't need an advocate for the infrastructure of telecommunications. Uh-huh. We want Alabama to fill that void. Uh, so in a couple of years, hopefully we'll be moving on to other avenues. As an economic and community developer, I see broadband as just another tool in my tool chest uh-huh. to grow a community. Uh-huh. Uh, but we've got to be active and, and proactive about getting the necessary uh highway in there to transmit data right right there um it's kind of interesting there's a there's a comment going around going through here about um you know do we not we but do government spend too much time uh assessing and studying versus acting I'll let you handle that one <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh Sometimes we do. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we can study a problem to death. I've worked in the Black Belt area uh, of the state of Alabama for many years, and I can tell you there's many studies. It's when we get out there and we get the boots on the ground Uh that we start seeing action, when we can motivate the communities to empower themselves to take hold of their destiny. That's when we can make a difference. Do we study things too much? Sometimes. But without studying it, without planning, you know, you know that old adage: if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Right, right, right. Uh, you have to know what's going on around you so that you can prepare for those obstacles. We have to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you basically need to find a balance between yes. uh, data gathering and data and, and actual uh, actions, getting things done. Right, and that's where we are with Connecting Alabama. We are all about the action now. Um, I will not be doing another consumer survey probably until 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did one in 2011. Now it's all about action, implementing these projects. So if we have anybody out there listening in Alabama, contact a regional coordinator and get involved with your um, your local region so that we can uh, put these projects into action. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, you're not connected to Connected Nation, though, right? This is a whole... No, this is a separate right. It's a separate entity. Connected Nation began, I believe, with Connect Kentucky. Right. And I've got to tell you, just the Connected Connected Nation, Connecting Alabama, Connect Kentucky. We're all, Illinois. we're all about the same thing, and that's, and that's providing that connection, linking those roads. Um, I, I 
I am aware that Connect Nation, as a matter of fact, I've even used some of their studies they've done for us. Uh, mm-hmm. And we work together. We're in conferences together. And, and that's one thing that's unique about this. With the way the federal government did this, all states are dealing with these issues right now. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to decide what's the best way to navigate this infrastructure now in this economic climate Mm -hmm. with this political climate going on. So you've got 50 states with groups of leaders within those states all debating this. Surely we'll come up with a a great, great actionable Mm -hmm. plan. So what kinds of, um, I don't know, projects or, I don't know, entities, in other words, you know, you've gathered the data you are moving toward action plans, you're moving toward coordinating various, you know, people and resources. At the the local level, what is now happening as a result of the work that you, that your group has done? Oh, gosh. Um, In Fayette, Alabama, uh, we've got Mayor Ray Nelson, who is actively pursuing a citywide, I mean, a a, a downtown-wide uh, Wi-Fi network so that his citizens have an affordable alternative when they can afford it um, in the Black Belt of Alabama because we do have connectivity as such a strong uh, need. We've decided, and we also have a lack of understanding what technology can do for you personally mm-hmm. and why it's important in the Black Belt. So one of those projects is to create a bookmobile, but only make it a computer mobile. Okay. Great idea. You know, if you're going to go and bring technology to the Jeans Band quilters, mm-hmm. they have no fiber optics run to the to their, their facility. They probably don't have any wireless or cell phone coverage out there. Mm-hmm. So let's take a bookmobile out there. Let them see all the attention they're getting online. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't that be amazing to... So it's an educational tool. Then. It would be an educational okay. tool. Um, how about that mom and dad out there that didn't know that they could they could look and see what little Johnny's report card looked like, mm-hmm. and now the bookmobile or the computer mobile has shown up, and, and they're teaching them how the parent can be engaged with the children's school activities mm-hmm. or how they can apply for a job mm-hmm. or continue their education and go back to school, mm-hmm. uh, getting a te- technical degree even. Uh, finding those resources. Uh, another project is our telehealth project. Oh, uh, right, right. Um, up in uh, Region 4 around Childersburg, we're working with the Childersburg Telehealth Network uh, to uh, bring together uh, a pilot for the state of Alabama to show the success of um, a connected community and a connected healthcare system. Uh, we've also been working with the Georgia Partnership for Telehealth, who has now created the Alabama Partnership for Telehealth. Mm-hmm. This will be a network. These are uh, the Georgia Telehealth Network is very strong, very robust, and has uh, brought a lot of advantages to their rural areas. And having that partnership here in Alabama, I think you'll start to see some significant changes when it comes to health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a couple of questions from the chat room, okay. uh, actually. One of those, coming back to the uh, enlisting faith-based uh, organizations, did you get any kind of opposition because of that? I've actually myself have not followed um, – okay, let me rephrase this. I know and I follow some of what goes on with just general faith-based programs but in terms of enlist, enlisting faith-based organizations as part of a broadband strategy, this is like a first that I've heard of, it, right? Um, so I can see where the positive would be, where people would buy into it from the community level. Is that something, though, that some folks would be agitated with because you're, you know, sort of mixing a state initiative and and partnering with the, you know, religious community? Well, uh, no, when we actually, when the White House, um, I think it was under Bush, right. established the White House uh, Faith Based and Communities Initiative, that set a clear standard of the fact that we knew we could mobilize our faith based community, but we cannot make 
education on their faith a part of the resources they're prime right. providing for the community. Right. So in that aspect, those 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 rules are already in place. Mm-hmm. So the faith based community can just be empowered as another avenue to reach someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we were talking the other day, as a matter of fact, about. Uh, someone knocking on the door and spreading the good word and and how people get irritated about that mm-hmm. well now churches can reach out and 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 can email and do listservs and provide needed resources uh in in additional ways besides beating the path on the sidewalk right you know? right right so it's a win win from them for them as well right so it's it's another way to serve another constituency group exactly that that's all it is and and the the rules are in place to to make sure we keep that separation of church and state right now what about um I'm trying to think if it was uh, I think it was the E-rate coordinator for the state of Mississippi, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the various programs that E-rate support and then how E-rate has modified some of its rules so that uh, when the, when E-rate purchased infrastructure is not in use, the community can, can, can get to it. But we had a short discussion about uh, homeschooling, mm-hmm. and the question was how does – broadband and the capability of being able to access all these various resources, does it, you know, increase the interest in home-based schooling because now it becomes a resource for the home-based schooler? Does it make it so that people don't feel as, I don't know, uh, discouraged from using the public school system because the public school system is on, you know, a, a computer network or an internet network? I mean, is there any noticeable impact one way or the other? home-based uh, schooling? Um, I don't see a noticeable impact. I, I We get a lot of comments from a lot of home-schooled uh, home uh, uh, families about mm-hmm. the lack of connectivity. I think that goes back, though, too, though, to the generational that we're facing. We have, <coughs> excuse me, we have the, the greatest generation or the silent generation, the boomers and the busters and the builders again, right? Mm-hmm. And so this new generation, these, this millennia generation, they're going back to that traditional family to where you have someone at home, whether it be the mother or the father, um, that they, they are spending more time in the family unit. Mm-hmm. So perhaps homeschooling is going to take off and become the avenue as we get back to that family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just important, number one, that we make sure that every student or every child of student age, even our adult students, I'm not even going to say an age, all students should be able to access the premier vehicle mm-hmm. that we transmit in, information on, and that's and that's technology and telecommunications. Mm-hmm. By the way, you got some a uh, compliment from one of the audience on your uh on your uh computer mobile. So they think that's a pretty good idea in large part because it makes one of the hardest problems with promoting broadband is if you haven't seen it, it's like promoting electricity to someone who hasn't quite figured out, well, is this like a, you know, a um, you know, a candle on steroids? I mean, it's right. I'm not sure well, they use exactly that analogy back in the first days of electricity. But, I mean, you get the idea that, you know, before you had electricity, trying to explain it to someone must have been a real uh, humdinger of a challenge. Oh, yeah. You can, if you, when you look back in history, there are signs that used to be placed on light switches that says, warning, this will not electrocute you. Or there were oh, signs my. on the walls that said, caution, please no, do not try to light the light bulb with a fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always had, we, we've always had uh, interesting aspects of, of innovation that we just forget about. Mm-hmm. You know, think about trying to convince a farmer to buy a car or to buy a tractor. All I have to do is feed my mule and <laughs> keep him in shape. <laughs> I got to buy a tractor. I got to buy gas. I got to buy oil. I got to buy tires. Well, do you think that that wasn't an easy sale back in the day? Right, no doubt, no doubt. So it's the same thing. We've just shifted a little bit. So, right. so I definitely and thanks for the uh, comment on the computer mobile. Now we just need a little funding for it. <laughs> <laughs> that that seems to be the barrier with most of our projects is, is the money. funding is money. So uh, knock on woods and everybody 
hope for a budget to come out of Washington soon because uh-huh. continuing resolutions don't seem to uh, provide funding Doesn't for help broadband. You very much. Okay, I understand. That makes a lot of sense. Let me uh, switch a little bit uh, going to the question of mapping because this is one I have followed because there have been areas where this hasn't gone very well. And um, now state initiatives have been different than FCC initiatives, though they kind of get wrapped together. And and some states seem to have done better than, than others at this. In your efforts, what do you or your team, what do you guys do to um, to encourage the reluctant providers but also to validate the accuracy of the information. Because I know that telcos, by nature of the beast, want to keep as much stuff (laughs) secret and proprietary as they can. But at the same time, we're trying to create a map that gives an honest assessment of who has what and to what degree they have what. So in, in Alabama's case, how has this exercise gone? How have you validated? Well, the validation we've done in a couple of ways as a matter of fact we have a speed test that is located on our website connectingalabama.gov you can go in and you can uh, log in on your computer and you can hit speed test and that tests the speed coming into your computer and sends that information back to a database from there we then look at the database and look at uh what the provider says it provides for that area mm-hmm. and we we can gauge it that way we also have an interactive mapping capability on on the website so that you can plug in your address and if you truly have contacted your local providers and they do not come down your road yet our map shows that you do you can again put a pinpoint on our map that says hey this is not correct Mm -hmm. in addition to that we have access to the data that they provide to the to the SEC Um, that's a validation tool as well as um, drive testing we're looking at some different methods of drive testing and that's the different programs that are available that you can download on your smartphone and will ping mm-hmm. drive testing drive testing um like the fcc i on my smartphone i have um the speed test the fcc speed test so no, no okay. matter where i am i can hit speed test and it will let me know what what's there but then there's another one like Root Metrics is one. You can download Root Metrics, and when you drive around, it'll send a ping to the local towers. I think it does all the major providers, and um, we'll let you know. Mm-hmm. What so it's, it's like literally driving around and the thing. Mm-hmm. And and you just constantly have a program on your phone that's sending a signal out to the towers and coming back. Okay. Just like you were making a call, but only okay. it's like a, just a ping. And, um, but then where does the data go after um, it's generated? Well, it would go to um, to our, our vendor, and then our vendor would then um, look at it. See, like this is for this area where we are. Um, this is your, because I have AT&T, this right. is their score here uh, for this area. It's really quite neat. There's so We're looking many at a smartphone, folks, yes, by the way. Sorry, sorry, y'all can't see that. But That's okay. The FCC's uh, speed test, again, goes back and, and provides that. And then the Root Metrics has an app that uh, does it by, um, what is that, a hexagon, I guess? Um, Something of that general nature. <laughs> I, I I was a poli sci major, so I really don't know the math, uh, yeah. so forth and so on. But but basically, it's a another way to address, um, in essence, crowdsourcing your mm-hmm. your data. But then how how widespread and how effective is that? You know, because I, the cynic, kind of sit back <laughs> and go, you know, it's a great idea, but don't you sort of end up with sort of a you know a a small amount of data, all things considered. I mean, what what have you found to be the, the case here? Oh no, we have some very very um, boisterous uh, people in Alabama. We've had a lot of comments hit our website. Uh, we've had we we do a Facebook, a Twitter 
push as well as working at that regional level, we push people to that website to feed us their comments. Mm -hmm. So that has really been a, a quite successful tool just in providing feedback on our website. Um, but yes, your the validation of the data, even even NTIA is is they all struggle with that one. It's a big it's a big issue, and so now we're we're obviously gathering data on you know who has what and people, you know, have some issues with. Um, well, then, you know, what happens next? I mean, because, and you brought up the fact already, you know, that, that funding becomes obviously a problem. I mean, at a certain point, you can be gathering data and you can be envisioning solutions, but, you know, where where does the money come from? Now, are we talking uh, money for, I don't know, broadband adoption projects or uh, infrastructure? Well, I'll tell you, uh, early on, Governor Riley told us that, we didn't want to compete with our, pub, our our private providers. The state of Alabama does not want to compete. So we're not. I'm not interested in building networks for the state of Alabama. If a community wants to put in a community-owned network, of course we're we're supportive of that. But the public-private partnership is a support network. It's it's us working. Uh, us when I say us, I mean the state of Alabama, connecting Alabama, working with those providers to identify potential funding, potential projects that may provide the infrastructure, um, like your E-rate funds. Uh-huh. E-rate, um, you know, provides the, the equipment and some of the activity for our school systems. Well, if we're able to, in Washington and, and, and the debates going on with the Connect America Fund, there will be funds available for private providers to expand their networks. And we as Connecting Alabama want to gather as much information about these funds as possible mm-hmm. and be able to be a resource to our local providers. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, you know, we support our small businesses. We support those providers in the community, and the economy and the social aspect of those communities grow and benefit. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned computer, uh, yeah, community networks. Do you not? So you, so the state is open to community networks being mm-hmm. formed. Okay, which oh, yeah. is good. I mean, kind of, you know, there's like eighteen, nineteen states where there's all kinds of anti-municipal network laws. Clearly, then Alabama is is on the progressive side of this issue because um, there seems to be a lot of uh, you know a lot of issues. I mean, the, the, you know, public was I mean, I, I mentioned earlier today. You know, the public private partnership is a uh, is one way to go. There is uh, you know communities are cre- starting to create nonprofits mm-hmm. and co-ops as a way to still have a community-owned network, but it is not owned by the city government, and then you just you know avoid the you know the bickering that goes on there. Right, right. Well, I would. I, we have a couple of communities. City of Opelika just passed a referendum. Just, ju- just passed a referendum. They are putting in fiber to the home for their residents. Uh-huh. Um, my only caution, and like I said, we work with and provide technical assistance to whether our communities are looking at doing their own network or you working with their their current provider. The one thing I caution all communities to do is is make sure you look at technology and the speed for which it grows uh-huh. and that you as a community are able to maintain a robust network. Because that's the thing with technology. Speed, speed, speed. It seems to me that mm-hmm. uh that that's what keeps growing the beast is the technology and the devices that uh, uh, just the capabilities continue to be endless. So we must be able to equip our community with an ongoing growth of technology and telecommunications. Mm-hmm. And private companies, it's their business. Right. So they have to do it. Right. Uh, and we find that in economic times that get a little tough, like we are right now, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes uh, infrastructure ends up taking a back seat. We see the debate nationally about infrastructure and needing to put funds towards infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a community, 
Are you willing to make the sacrifices necessary to keep technology infrastructure at its premier? Mm-hmm. So that's my caution for communities is really take a self-assessment that that you're capable of keeping telecommunications to the level that's necessary. Right, right. Now, at the um, sort of a mapping question again, but mm-hmm. with the um, crowdsourcing of data, Mm-hmm. which you know you guys are are doing fairly aggressively um how do you allot for or account for uh places that basically aren't giving you feedback because they can't afford the technology because there's basically two you know you've got two issues either they can't get it because it's like physically not happening i mean they don't right. have the infrastructure they're too far from a central office i mean all those you know, related to the getting, the physically getting the uh, the connection, then there is the affordability issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my mind's eye, if I'm looking at an ideal map, um, even if it doesn't tell me the difference, but it would at least show that um, that somehow that's a that's a factor. Uh, definitely, and through our consumer surveys, and and we have the uh, Alabama Dashboard dot org. That's our research and data site. You can go on that site and you can see our consumer surveys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three prominent reasons why we do not we we have lagging areas of connectivity is access. It is affordability, and it's also a lack of knowledge of what can I do with it and how it benefits me. So, how do you how do you fix that 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 economic barrier? And that's those pro- programs that are out there. We all have computers. You know, those of us that are in the technology world, we upgrade every couple of years, don't mm-hmm. we? What do we do with our old computers? Okay. And again, we've got to start giving back to our communities, our local businesses. How many communities have banks in them? Quite a few. Right, How many right. banks get new computers every four or five years? Quite a few. Right. Where do they recycle those computers to? You know, can we look at recycling? Perhaps we can look at creating partnerships between our goodwill industries and our technical um, schools or our technical programs within our schools. And we can, Goodwill can collect the computers and the school kids can help rehabilitate and fix them so they're learning a trade at the same time. And then we sell them or give them out to the community even. Uh-huh. Maybe sell them for the parts. And, and down in, I think it's Mobile or Baldwin County, uh, they have a program like that. It's a, it's a program between Goodwill uh, Industries, Easter Seals, and Dell Computers. Mm-hmm. They collect the computers. Um, they they send them to Dell. Dell rehabilitates them. They come back and they're sold for a hundred and fifty dollars. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, and we have co- companies all over the community, all over the state, that get new computers. What do you do with them? Let's focus our efforts on the fact that we've got to equip people. Don't look at this as a handout. You know that you're giving somebody anything that is a hand up when you mm-hmm. hand someone a computer you're not you can't just hand it to them you got to teach them to use it you know can't give a man a fish and he eats for a day teach a man a fish and he he eats for a lifetime same thing with a computer we can give you a computer but we got to teach you how to use it mm-hmm. and then guess what you can grow yourself you right. can grow your workforce you can grow your education and you learn more mm-hmm. I have a, I'm coming back to the infrastructure question because it's always a oh. it's a constant you know it's always a constant effort between the adoption and the the infrastructure you know like like I was talking about today where you know you need an infrastructure of a certain type and certain robustness and so forth if um, on the national uh, on the national scene. What I'm seeing are some of the larger uh, telecom companies, probably even some of the smaller ones, that are trying to um, get out of universal service obligations. The, <laughs> the necessity to be able to provide uh, services in, in certain areas, right? Um, and there's a lot of reasons for this. I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons why they want to do this, and there's affordability and so forth, but in in my mind, because it's the same thing is happening in California. You know, California is a fairly huge landmass, and so if you start talking about, you know, we're about to let all, you know, these rural folks go, 
that's a, that's a serious issue. Um, from and maybe this isn't happening in, in in Alabama, but is this going to be a problem in two or three years as a country? You know, as we sort of look at, you know, we got urban and you got rural, and you got rural issues and urban issues and so forth. If all of a sudden the requirements to provide telecommunication infrastructure goes away, whether through Washington because they're redoing the uh, the Universal Service Fund and all this kind of stuff. If the net of this is that there are no requirements for, for telecoms to go in, what exactly would happen? Because Alabama is a fairly heavily rural state, as I remember my geography. Well, it is, it is. And I think you would see some areas that would, again, you know, stagnate. They would have that, that consistent economic decline. Uh, when you look at some of the struggles of the Black Belt, which is considered the poorest area of the state of Alabama, uh -huh. a lot of the needs there stem from a lack of adequate infrastructure. You uh -huh. know, uh -huh. uh, when, when we're not equipped with the, with the tools we need, it's hard to build the right kind of ship. Right. And so um, the rural areas would suffer. But I think we have so many rural communities that see the benefit that we would have those. We will, You have your, your Thomasville, Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, wonderful little community, active mayor, uh, center of the Alabama-China partnership uh, is Thomasville, mm -hmm. Alabama. You would see communities like that be leaders. Mm -hmm. I, I think if the funding went away, communities like Thomasville would, would make sure that their their constituents still had some type of service, okay. but then some of your more economically um, diverse uh, or, or economically uh, distraught areas, they would not because they're, they're not educated as to what technologies would be right for their mm -hmm. communities, much less why they need it. And so uh, it would be a mixed bag, but you would have some communities that would stand up and say, no, we're not going to let this happen to us. Okay. Let me switch back to the economic development uh, discussion for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, you are, in essence, in economic development. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned that you spent a fair amount of time in planning, regional right. planning and so forth. How do folks in those areas, you know, in the economic development area, in the uh, community planning and so forth, address the issue that, it's hard to quantify the value, the economic value of broadband. <laughs> and there's anecdotal evidence, and then there's sort of the gut feel. But, you know, someone else says, you know, you got to ask, well, how do, you know, how do economic development folks get measured for success to really come back to figure out how to make the pitch to them about the value of broadband, mm -hmm. right? Because you, your, well, I should say the profession seems to be graded or or, or incented to um, bring jobs to the area, mm -hmm. right? And so everybody then said, well, okay, if we're looking at this supposed economic development project, well, how many jobs is that, right? Which is a very cold, straightforward accounting issue. Mm -hmm. But I sort of don't see a broadband role in economic development as being that clear cut. You've been at this for a couple of years now. What's well, and, and and I'm one of those, I have a mixed bag about it because, yes, there is a significant economic impact, but also you have to look, there's also an economic downfall. Uh -huh. We lose jobs just like we gain jobs. Um, you know, we've all seen the, 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 the commercials or where, where people are just getting more and more automated and things like that. So I think you have to take a holistic view at what technology and, and telecommunications can bring. It can bring jobs, and it can bring more and higher paying jobs, but it can also take jobs away. Uh -huh. We are in that paradigm right now. We are shifting. Um, you know, for every job we're creating with technology, you have to also look. There's a there's a turnaround. There's something that someone's losing a job as well. Okay. Uh, so it's a it's it's a it's an either or type of situation. But you can uh, definitely uh, 
for 100% say that as an economic developer, you need to be concentrating on workforce development. Mm -hmm. Teach your workforce to embrace technology. Teach them to 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 not be scared of it, to to embrace it, because then you'll have a workforce that's prepared for war, uh, whatever change may come. Mm-hmm. Um, we we actually do have um, a the partnership with the University of Alabama mm-hmm. and Dr. Sam Addy and Dr. David Hale. They are doing our our measurement and evaluation for our program. Mm-hmm. And uh, in part of that, Dr. Addy will be doing an economic impact study for Alabama. Okay. Uh, and so we're very, and we're also Dr. Hill's leading the team. We're going to have a social and an impact mm-hmm. uh, study done. So it's going to be. Uh, and again, I know everybody doesn't want to see studies, but we've got to have the evidence. We've right. got to make the case for it, but we've got to be prepared with, with the either-or situation. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 years ago, there was not a job called a blogger, or there wasn't <laughs> a web radio, was there, there now? There's, that's true. You that's know, true. and so what jobs won't be there in 10 years and which jobs will be here in mm-hmm. 10 years? We've got to we've got to be available and be flexible. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have the responsibility for setting up um a program programs that support in essence the deployment of either computers or technology and what i mean by that is for every mile of fiber or wireless access points that you build mm. for every computer that you give away you are basically bringing into the technology world folks who haven't really been part of the technology world and you can't expect we can't expect them to just like well, on day one, grasp all this stuff and take advantage of it. Right. And in fact, in my survey of economic development professionals, that was one of the responses about, you know, could broadband improve individuals' abilities to improve their economic status? Could broadband increase the number of home-based businesses? Mm-hmm. And there were, I don't know, maybe a quarter to a third of the respondents who said, you can only do it if there are supporting programs. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden that means, oh my lord, well then in addition to whatever effort we're spending <laughs> and resources we're spending to get all this, you know, the infrastructure built and the computers built, now we gotta look at yet one more responsibility. I mean, have you guys embraced that aspect of things and how have you managed that along with all your other that you're hurting. Well, I think that's where I'm very proud of what we've developed here in the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, the state broadband initiative is funding for the mapping and the planning. Mm-hmm. We've taken it a step further in the state of Alabama. We do the mapping and the planning, but then we've also created those partnerships. We have a, a another funding mechanism through NTIA BTOP, which is the Sustainable Broadband Adoption Program, mm-hmm. and this is a statewide effort. So while that is, is a separate fund, we consider it all part of Connecting Alabama. Mm-hmm. We are mapping, we are planning, and we are education. We have... Uh, while we are, are identifying the infrastructure with our mapping and we're creating advocacy with our providers and and growing our infrastructure, we also have then the planning aspect of it in which we're working with those local local officials, educating them, finding those barriers, and then there's that education piece. We see that as, as just number one and fundamental with what we need to do here in the state. That program is then, of course, expanding into programs that will provide uh, technology for some folks. So what we are seeing is that holistic program that we've created in the state of Alabama creates it so that we are tackling all issues kind of simultaneously. Okay. So with our... Uh, going back to the ARA funds, those programs where um, infrastructure is being deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy Cablevision has a big project in which they're doing the smart band. Okay. spans four different uh, counties. They're bringing in the infrastructure. We're working uh, with our county extension coordinator uh, through our grant. They will provide training mm-hmm. to that area, and we will target that training. And while that training is going on at the local level, Connecting Alabama will be working with the local Kiwanis, Rotaries, any club that will have us to educate the 
leaders of those communities mm-hmm. about what you can do with it, how you can benefit with it. So it's it's the partnerships. It's the partnerships and that, that synergy we've created with Connect in Alabama that does uh, make it a little bit easier because we are working simultaneously on all areas. Okay. Hurting all of those All cats. the cats at the same time. <laughs> Let's talk. We're gonna. We got about oh, ten minutes or so. Let's talk process because, mm-hmm. I, as I view it, even though everyone that listens to the show isn't responsible for a statewide project, uh, quite a few are responsible for multi-jurisdiction mm-hmm. projects, whether it be you know ten, twenty cities or eight, nine counties. How do you? You know, we talked earlier about managing the the data that you gather. Right. Um. What's a like? What a one two pieces of advice to your peers on you know you're gonna get a bunch of data. How do you make sense out of it all, and how do you manage the use of that data? Uh, well, I like having the work groups, having my regional coordinators being able to sit down with the local work group and everyone, whether it's the person from education, the person from healthcare, or the infrastructure provider having them all sit there and discuss that data together mm-hmm. really provides an opportunity for uh, further understanding on everybody's part. Mm-hmm. can't tell you how many meetings we've been in where our providers have come in. We'll have a consumer that, I've contacted XYZ Cable Company, <laughs> and it's going to cost $2,000 of my own money to come down my road. Well, I and nobody else is out here. Well, our providers that are participating in those meetings, they stand up and they explain the limitations of DSL Mm -hmm. and that that while the company does want to come out there, it's cost prohibitive. Right. So being able to have that, that open communication and that open dialogue, I would say definitely number one, the thing that you need to do is is make sure everyone understands we the stake in the game is providing the needed resource for our community. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. It's not the provider. It's not the the best buy. It's not the person selling the computer because we all win if mm-hmm. we, we're able to get this infrastructure. We've got to work together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next point. Next sort of step. So you 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 you've structured a process by keeping uh, a you know logical flow of the data coming in. How do you manage expectations? Because even at the city level, once you start talking about the values and virtues of broadband, that can kind of get ahead of you, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like a game of telephone. By the time it gets to the 20th constituent, you know, the broadband's curing cancer, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about, you know, multi-jurisdiction uh, efforts, how do you keep the both keep the lid on expectations but still – push out enough expectations that people still stay engaged? Um, I like to put it back on the community. Okay. You manage your expectations. You can do as much or as little with it as you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just want to email on Facebook, that's all you can do. That's all you've got to do. But if you want to be like the guys on the Big Bang Theory and <laughs> turn somebody's lights off over in Indonesia with the click of a button, then, then so be it. But right. manage your expectations by knowing what you and your community want to do with it. And again, I hate to say it, but that means studying the local area. That means surveying and knowing what's going on with your constituents. And I think we don't do that enough. Politically, anyway. Right. I mean, because you know, I brought up the point during the uh, during my session about you know there is there are expectations that are set by elected officials and policymakers um, that can be very much at odds with the capability of the technology and what say people in the trenches doing economic development work say. Well, number one, you can't get that with that technology you know, or that type of technology. Right. I have some communities, having worked around for the last 10 years, some communities want to recruit that big box industry that's got 500 jobs. Right. Some communities want to maintain their small businesses, mom-and-pop businesses, and that's it. Right. And But they want to have adequate education. They want to have adequate health care. So it's the uniqueness and the individuality of your community. Mm-hmm. That's what's got to be paid attention to. Now, what kind of 
software, hardware tools do you recommend to folks who are doing multi-jurisdiction projects to keep all this together? Um, well, you know, of course, uh, good contact. You know, go ahead and set you up a listserv. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that we have discovered is people want to get on and off of your list. Uh, right, right. You know, people change jobs. They may not be as involved with the IT side of their company anymore. And so giving them that flexibility to join your information sharing network. Mm -hmm. um, we've also, the social media aspect of it, having our Facebook page, and our Twitter feed, that's that's a way to keep in that constant contact or just to put out an interesting little tidbit of information we find out about technology. Uh, so contact, 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 and then don't argue. Mm -hmm. Don't argue. Don't try to take the credit. Right. That's the number one thing. Don't try to don't try to take the credit. Nobody needs the credit. The community needs the infrastructure. Right. Now let's uh let's see, we're running down to five minutes here or so. Ooh. Um, universities, how would you recommend that um, leaders, again, of multi-jurisdictional projects, engage universities? We're here at Tuskegee uh, University, which is, uh, I, and I thank them for the opportunity to both speak and to, to broadcast the show, and I know that they've been doing these economic development summits for 17 years. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend harnessing that kind of uh, academic institution uh, participation in the process? Well, you know, we have seven research universities in the state of Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, yet, yet we've been slow in adopting technology. I'd say more outreach, more sharing of the information and the great things that are going on. Some of the greatest innovations in nanotechnology are happening right here at Tuskegee University, but we don't hear about it. Mm -hmm. You know, Share the good news. We want to know the great things. We all know UAB. Okay, UAB is the healthy hospital because somebody's <laughs> got somebody in the family that's been up to UAB for a specialty mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. But do you know we have our robotic specialties? We've got University of South Alabama, North Alabama, University of Alabama Hospital, and, of course, University of Alabama and Auburn University. And so many things, great, great innovations come out of these universities. I think they need to do better better homegrown distribution of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but beyond that, uh, just, just staying uh, active within their communities. That's what the universities do. Realize that, that you can grow your student body when you help to educate that community, mm -hmm. when you, you show them that it's okay to learn. And then and then tie them into the, the technology, the infrastructure. Um, I mean, I know that several, in fact, of my audience have been very big proponent proponents of global involvement. Mm -hmm. Now, and this will probably be our last question. So, you know, we're we're building local communities and we're building infrastructure for local communities. What's the role of the global market, if you will? You know, should we have a vision tour? Should we just keep an eye on it and not really worry about it very much? What, what? Well, I think you have to keep your eye on the global economy and the global world that we're shifting in. Um, it's, it's one of those things you can't put blinders on and just not see it. It's there. It's mm -hmm. happening. Uh, but, again, maintain your integrity and your individuality as a community. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily make yourself fit into the global world make yourself become an integral part of the global world, mm -hmm. keeping your uniqueness. Because each community in the state and in this nation has just that unique individuality about it that sets it apart. So as we reach into that global, global world, be sure that we maintain and highlight the best of our communities. And we can do that. Mm -hmm. You know? Excellent. Excellent. Well, we had a very good conversation. I mean, I think it's very good to, to bring in the state view, uh, and I think there's a lot that local folks involved with broadband can learn from, you know, this state view and the state approach to things. And so I want to thank you for being my guest. Very, very uh, entertaining and very educational. Um, I want to thank our audience for being with us. You know, without our audience, obviously, I, I would not be doing this craziness. 
and uh, and also our uh, sponsor team, Fischl, which is in the uh, internet construction business, and they do very good work, uh, have a lot of satisfied customers. Uh, I will probably take Monday off because I've been doing this, folks, for the last four days straight, and I'm a little weary, but there's a lot of information out there, you know, um, and if you haven't listened to some of the earlier shows this week in particular, I think that you, you really should. There have been some good points about infrastructure. There have been some good points about creating community assets from that infrastructure, you know, and today we've talked about economic development. You know, there's a lot of archives, learn, uh, go forth and do great broadband. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good day.